I know that you can, you know, you can technically afford a $500 a month vehicle on your income. I, that, that might be a possibility for you. But if you buy something that's $200 a month and you save another 300 bucks a month, add that to your housing, you do the same thing with eating out. It doesn't mean you never go out, but you make a plan and you stick to it. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson. And on today's episode, we're talking about lifestyle choices and choices that will make you wealthy. Uh, We all want a good lifestyle, but it's very difficult for us to determine what that is for our individual situation and circumstances. Well, today, we're going to dive into that and help you to understand how some of the choices that you're making today the lifestyle choices, uh, are determining your future. And hopefully by the end of the show, you'll get some an idea of how to properly diagnose what lifestyle you should actually have yeah. based on your income, based on your individual situation. Yeah, I like that. Based on your income, because your income is going to be the number one indicator of yeah. what lifestyle you can live. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you inherit a lot of money and you have a giant windfall, that might indicate some things as well. Sure, no doubt <laughs> it will change your lifestyle. But for the most part, we're talking about your direct income and how that affects your lifestyle. And you really, you can't live beyond your income. A few people have tried, and mm-hmm. we've seen this. Well, many have tried. <laughs> many have tried. <laughs> this and, is why uh, we're such trouble in this country. That's right. That's right. And they create a lifestyle that goes beyond their income and use debt to fund that lifestyle, but it's not sustainable and it ends up creating extreme hardship. I mean, it creates a a very difficult crash when you've been living beyond your income for a while and all of a sudden you now have to dramatically pull back. Yeah. I would say that most of the people that I've coached in the past have made a difficult uh, decision in choosing what lifestyle they should live. And unfortunately, because they didn't manage their money with clarity and with a budget, uh, they made choices that were affecting not only the lifestyle, but literally for years to come, their future. And the result of it is always excessive debt and then getting to the point where you can no longer sustain the, the bills and everything that's going on every month. Yeah. Yeah. That's the wake up call. And uh, we deal with a lot of excessive debt, but I mean, even a very simple uh, medium sized debt. So let's take the example of somebody who Every year they overspend by a thousand dollars. That's eighty something dollars a month. Right. I mean, this is just oh, you know, I forgot. I need to change my oil. I didn't have that in the budget, so let me put it on the credit card. And so for a year, you know, they do this year over year for ten years. A thousand dollars a year. That's ten thousand dollars that they're in debt. Right. Now they wake up and they say, oh, I feel the pinch. This feels weird. This isn't comfortable. I've got $10,000 of debt. I'm paying, let's just make up a a number, 10% interest. That means they're spending $1,000 a year in interest. Mm -hmm. Well, now they've got to dramatically change their lifestyle because before they were living beyond their income by $1,000. Well, now they've got to reduce that back down and get within their income. Right. But they also have to pay the interest, which is $1,000. So they went from now we're at 2,000. Wow. And they've got $10,000 of debt, so they have to go beyond just paying the interest. They have to start paying down the principal. Mm-hmm. And let's say they spend down $1,000 on the principal every year. That means that it took $1,000 of principal, $1,000 of interest, and $1,000 of lifestyle change. Wow. So it's three times as hard to fight your way out of this debt than it is to just walk your way into it. And that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, that's that's really important to understand that just 80 some dollars, $83 a month, can cause you to have such a huge uh, problem down the road where you're having to cut out 
really reduce your lifestyle by $3,000. That's so hard to do. Yeah. And I remember when I first graduated from college and I had my first real income and I was looking at creating my lifestyle for the first time. I'm, I'm young. I have no idea what kind of lifestyle I need to live on. And I know it has to do something with my income, mm-hmm. but I'm uneducated in the area of finances. So I don't know how much I need to save for retirement. Honestly, the market was really down at the time. And so I was afraid to start investing for retirement because I didn't understand it and everything right. was negative. And um, beyond that, I didn't know how much house I could afford and I didn't know how much car I could afford. I didn't know if I should buy a new TV or a new computer, or if I should just never spend anything at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I personally, I defaulted towards not doing anything. I was overly tight and I defaulted towards being kind of the person you wouldn't want to hang out with because they were overly stingy. Uh, other people are going to default towards, well, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to enjoy what I have and I'm going to push the spending limits. And so, so I, so I had these questions. I come out of college. What Leo and I wanted to do is on Leo's website, uh, we posted the, how to create a budget tool. And inside of that, we wanted to place a whole list of lifestyle, uh, percentages on what you can spend at different income rates, Mm -hmm. uh, in different lifestyle situations. So whether you're single whether you're single with a roommate, single without a roommate, if you're married, if you're married with a you know, family of four total, two kids, married with a family of six, four kids. So we've laid that out and we've laid out some lifestyle percentage guidelines that will help you. And I remember out of college, I would have loved to have that mm-hmm. because I'd say, oh, I can afford this much car. I can afford this much in rent. I can afford, I need to be setting aside at least this much towards retirement. And so we've got those numbers on leosebo.com under resources, under creating a budget. But in this episode, we want to go through a very practical example Mm -hmm. and just break down two different couples that make two different lifestyle sets of lifestyle choices and see how it impacts their lives. So Leo, what does that look like? So the two couples we want to introduce to you are the Fishers and the Burks. The Fishers and the Burks are your typical couple. They make a similar income. They both were married in 1999. Uh, Bill and Tom had similar jobs at a financial firm. Uh, Sally and Sue were both elementary school teachers. Both couples uh, own a home. Both drive two cars. Both took annual vacations. And both ate out every Friday night for date night. So on the surface, everything they did was similar. They enjoyed basically the same benefits with their money the home, the cars, the vacations, uh, the entertainment. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at the same income as well. Mm -hmm. And they have a house, they have cars, they go on vacation. Yeah, this is not too dramatically different. So Mm -hmm. let's begin to dig into some of these numbers. Yeah, because there's differences in the lifestyle choices that they made. Uh, First of all, the Fishers bought a house after being married just one year. And they bought a house that was three times their salary. And this is kind of important to understand because whenever, you know, you refer to the spending guideline and the spending guideline gives you what percentage of your net income should be toward your housing. And that includes not only your house mortgage payment, but also all the utilities. So you can know how much you should spend toward your uh, housing cost. Now, the average for a typical household is about 30%. It could be higher or lower depending on income, but let's say the average is about 30%. So knowing that helps you to understand how much house you are able to buy. So can you buy a three times your salary? Well, potentially, but again, it depends on what your salary is. Well, the Fishers decided to buy a house. They bought it at three times the salary. And the Burks bought a house after three years of marriage. So they waited two more years. Mm-hmm. And then they bought a house that was only two times their salary. Now you would think, well, okay, but they both bought houses. What's the big deal? 
but the choices, both in the value of the home, right, the cost of the home, and also when they chose to buy it made a big difference. Yeah. So we did a whole set of episodes, episode 24 and 25 on buying a house. And so if you want to dig into your personal situation, listen to episode 24 and 25. But here's what we're pointing out here. Uh, one couple waited a little bit longer. They had a little bit larger down payment. And then they also had the ability to save their emergency fund. And they only bought two times their salary, which means that their monthly payment is going to be a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So as we go through this example, you've got the Fishers. They bought three times their salary. You got the Burks who bought two times their salary. You can already start to see a little bit of that lifestyle choice differential. Okay, so the house cost for the Fishers was $195,000, which is three times their salary. Again, both of them had the same salary at $65,000. So three times $65,000 is $195,000. Yep, and I'll be representing the Burks. So the Burks spent two times their income, which was $130,000, and they put 20% down. That's only $26,000 versus the Fishers. The Fishers put down $39,000, which is 20% of the one ninety-five. Right. So already the Burks have $13,000 in savings mm -hmm. that the Fishers don't have. So we're right. starting to see a differential. Now the Burks are continuing to pay down their cost. Uh, their mortgage was a hundred, or yeah, their mortgage is $104,000 at a 5% interest rate. Over 30 years, that means their monthly payment was $558. Okay. All right. Now the Fishers, again, 30-year mortgage. But the cost of the mortgage loan is 156,000, right? 195 minus the 39, so it's 156 at 5 percent also for 30 years. But their monthly payment was 837. All right. So we're starting to see 13,000 dollars in savings for the Burks, and about a 300 dollars a month difference in their monthly payments. All right, we're gonna see this compound as we go into the next example of transportation. Okay, under transportation, the fishers bought two new cars every five years. The two cars at $15,000 each equals 30,000. So they financed 30,000 at 6% for five years for a total payment of $579.98. All right, and then the Burks come in and they buy two good used cars every five years. Mm -hmm. And because they're used, instead of spending $15,000 each, they spend $7,000 each. So that means they're buying two of them, that's $14,000 at a 6% interest rate for five years. Their monthly payment is $264 instead of 579. So we're looking again, 300 plus per month difference between the Burks and the Fishers. And the Fishers are spending 300 more, but understand they're also paying more for the house. So already we're seeing two different areas that they're spending in that they're spending quite a bit different than the, the Burks are. So now let's talk about the third area and that's dining out. So what are the Fishers doing when they go out to eat? So the Fishers are dining out four times per month at an expensive restaurant. The average meals is $100 for a total cost of $400 per month. And the Burks, are they're going out four times a month as well. So they have date night once a week. But instead of four fancy restaurants, they do one fancy, one moderate, and then two modest. So the fancy is 100, the moderate is 60, the two modest are 30 each, so that's 60. So total, the Burks are spending 220 eating out, and total, the Fishers are spending... $400. All right. So $180 difference in this third category. Now let's move on to the fourth and final vacations. All right. For the vacations, the Fishers took one expensive foreign vacation each year. And then the average cost for the year was $4,500 for the vacation. 
And if you take that and divide it by 12, we're coming up with the $375 per month that they had to set aside for vacation. Yeah. Now we need to pause here because Ashley and I took an expensive foreign vacation this year <laughs> <laughs> to Paris for about $4,000. So uh, you know what? Hey, we need to understand. Yeah, there's nothing wrong example. with this. That's right. It's That's just right. an example. <laughs> but we're showing what it's going to look like over time. Okay. Right. So the Fishers, they're spending about almost $400 a month setting aside for their vacation. The Burks, they do two vacations every year. But one is a family vacation. It's about $1,500. And then one is camping, and it's only $750. So total for their two vacations, it's only $2,250 versus 4000 500 yep. for the Fishers. It's half. half. Exactly. Yeah. So every month they're setting aside about $200 a month versus the Fishers setting aside about $400 a month. Mm-hmm. So $200 difference. Right. Okay. So those are the four areas that we looked at. We looked at housing, transportation, dining out, and vacation. Now let's look at the analysis, the difference between what the Fishers are spending and what the Burks are spending. So on the mortgage, the difference is $279. The car payment is $315, dining out $180 difference, and vacation $187 difference. So all combined, the Burks are spending $962 less than the Fishers. $962 a month less than the Fishers. Yeah, let's let's pause and just kind of breathe that in a little bit because what's important to realize here, it, it's not one big expense. It's over four different areas, and it includes eating out. It includes the choice of cars that these folks are driving. It includes the house they bought. and also includes the kind of vacations they take. So these are ongoing lifestyle choices. And what we said earlier is that these people were a lot the same in their choices. Obviously, the lifestyle choice is different, but the, what they're doing is the same. Right. Yeah, I they mean, both can get to and from work. Exactly. They both have a house, and they both have a roof over their head. They both get to go out for date night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... From on the surface, there's really no difference in the value they're receiving. Now, some might say that taking a foreign vacation is better than taking a couple of vacations, one with family, one in camping. But the value of going on vacation is still there. Yeah. Yes, there's still a there different for rest cost. And re- yeah, rest but, and relaxation. Exactly. So, but the choice in lifestyle, these choices that they're making, is significant, isn't it? Over just four areas. And these are not the only areas that we spend money in. So right. there are other areas that these folks are spending money in. Clothing, right? Uh healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many other areas that we're not even touching on. We're only t- touching on four major ones here. And the difference is nearly a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is one of those things that most people, they just don't take time to sit down and think about it before they make these decisions in these areas. Yeah. Uh, if you'll sit down before you buy your house and say, okay, the $300 a month matters. Mm-hmm. And before you buy your vehicles, I know that you can, you know, you can technically afford a $500 a month vehicle on your income. I, that, that might be a possibility for you. But if you buy something that's $200 a month and you save another 300 bucks a month, mm. add that to your housing, you do the same thing with eating out. It doesn't mean you never go out, but you make a plan and you stick to it. If you begin to do these things, that can lead to a thousand dollar difference. I mean, that's huge in just a couple of different categories. And I've, I've spent time with people, a lot of different people that are spending that extra thousand dollars a month versus people who aren't spending that extra thousand. And you begin to see over time, a major disparity in savings growth, in margin, in financial health, Mm -hmm. and then really in emotional um, strength. 
because the person that's overspending, they may enjoy that new car for a while, but eventually they want another new car mm -hmm. and it doesn't provide the same level of value that the first one did. Right. And, and there's a little bit of angst or frustration or um, I need to have this. And if they ever lost their income or went down in income, now they're frustrated because they can't afford what they've always had. And the debt begins to pile up, even if it's just overspending by a thousand. You do that times 10 years, you're looking at $10,000 of debt and a pretty emotional situation. So what we're saying here is that these little things, and even if it was only a hundred bucks a month in each one of these categories, that's $400 a month. That'll move the needle. Let's take that about $1,000 difference, the $960 difference between the Burks and the Fishers. And let's just look at what happens with them over the next 10 years. Right. And this is what's really important about what we're about to get into is to pay attention to these numbers because those small differences in the choices that they made, buying new cars versus used or going to a fancy restaurant four times a month or spending less in dining out, those are small decisions that really have huge consequences down the line. So the Burks were able to take that $962 difference and for 10 years, they saved 795 of that. $962 amount at 4%. And after 10 years, they had $117,000 in savings. While the Burks had zero because hmm. they were living on basically everything that they were making. The difference between the 795 and the 962, they decided to give away. And they gave to the things that they cared about the most, organizations that they had passion and wanted to support. And after 10 years, they were able to give over $20,000 uh, to causes that they cared about. Wow. So the difference between what the Burks were able to do and the Fishers were able to do, the lifestyle that they live was still, in my opinion, no different. The amount of value that they received from the things that they enjoyed was equal. Yeah. But the cost was not only different per month, but it was costing the fact that financially, the Burks were at a, such a better place mm -hmm. 10 years on the road, whereas the Fishers were still basically at zero. Yeah. 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 And, and this is when you do the savings at 4%. Mm -hmm. But let's say that you begin to invest that over, you know, 10, 20, 30 years and you do it. And let's say you get 10%, which is a high rate of return, but let's just say 10% for the fun of it. Let's say you took that $962 and you put that into a 10%, a mutual fund or an investment that got you 10% a year for 30 years. That's over $2 million that you would have in that account. And that's over 30 years. So yep. if they got married yep. at 25 and they did this till they were 55, they'd have $2 million in the bank and probably be able to retire. I mean, that's unbelievable. And what you mentioned before, Leo, is just even taking some of that money instead of investing it into growing your wealth, giving it to things that matter to you. Mm -hmm. Ashley and I support uh, some kids in another country and we get to watch them grow. We get to write letters back and forth with back and forth with them. We get to see an actual physical impact in their lives based on the money that we send over. It's not like I, I love investing for the future and I love putting money into retirement, but you don't see that money for a long time. Yeah. You can begin investing in somebody else's life or into a charity that you care about. You can you can spend a surprisingly small amount of money and buy a goat for a family in another country and that goat will produce milk all year long. Mm. Or you could buy 12 chickens for a family and they'll have eggs that they can turn around and sell to other families in the community. I mean- It's like a it, small business it's for a small, It's amazing what a little bit of US currency will do around the world 
you can dig wells that will provide water mm-hmm. that people won't have to walk two to three miles to get water. Right. They can walk half a mile and they will, the whole village will be taken care of. I mean, exactly. it dramatically For about five, dollars You can have right. a whole village have fresh water. Yeah. It's so, incredible. So, I mean, of course, we're talking about the big numbers because we want to motivate you. We want to show you that you can have $2 million 30 years from now. You can retire. You can have good margin in your life. The driving used vehicles, you know, what's the, the opportunity cost? Well, the opportunity cost is that, you know, if you have a new vehicle, it costs you the opportunity to be able to give a little bit more and take care of someone else. Or right. it costs you the opportunity to grow your retirement to where you can one day live comfortably in retirement. So look at what your opportunities are, but what they're costing you in other areas. Yeah. What's really important here is to understand that you're not giving up anything that's of value. You're only choosing something that's within your ability to manage. And you're looking at the future and not sacrificing your future by making choices that are taking you beyond. The idea here is not to spend everything that you make. Yeah, absolutely. The, the whole idea of margin here is that it gives you the ability to do some things that are important to focus on now instead of waiting 20, 30 years from now. Yeah. Because when you're in your 50s and 60s, you've lost that opportunity to grow wealth yeah. from investing over over a long period of time. The compound interest will not work for you in the next 10 to 15 years to the degree that it will when you started in your 20s. Yeah. And that's really what we're trying to say here. Now, the example that David gave you was that if you invested that 962 over uh, 30 years, you would have $2 million. But the Burks actually just continued to save at $795 Mm. a month Mm -hmm. for the next 30 years. And just at 4%, they were able to have $425,000 in their retirement account. Plus they had a paid off home. Yeah. So it may not be millions, but wouldn't it be better to have $425,000 at retirement than to have nothing? Yeah. And that was just at 4%, which is very conservative very and conservative. very doable when you invest. Absolutely. Extremely possible. Absolutely. That's a, safe, that's a safe investment. Yeah. Almost guaranteed. Yeah. And so, um, again, if you go back to listen to episode 11, 12, 13, and 14, Leo and I break into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate in episode 13. We'll walk you through what are some of the things you need to do to invest to, to get that rate of return or higher. But, I mean, that's amazing. 30 years later, they have $400,000, a paid-off home, and they've been putting money uh, into serving people around the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying around the world. Maybe it's their local community, and they're helping a food bank. Maybe it's a Either way, it was beyond them. Right. And that, that shows a lot of, of, uh, of care, not just yeah. for themselves. And that's just wisdom to me, uh, that you're not just looking at you for yourself, but you're looking to others as well. And that's what the show is all about. We, we want to encourage you not only to be financially wise, but to pursue your true life's purpose. And that always involves caring for other people, yeah. serving people in some way. And for you, it may not be that you're supporting a child in another yeah. country. It may it not be, be that you're helping out with your local food bank. It may be that you create margins so you can start your own business yeah. and maybe produce a product or employ people and provide both income and healthcare and all those things that you could do for others. So the, the opportunities are endless of what you can do when you look at your income, when you look at the lifestyle that you can have versus the lifestyle you should have. I think the thing that has impressed for me so much about this example between the Fishers and the Burks is that the choices that they made were small, but they had huge financial consequences. Yeah. And I don't know about you, David, but I've made some choices early on in my life that that put me into a lifestyle that was beyond my income. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's what woke me up to the fact that I could not live that way any longer because I 
had so much debt that I couldn't make the payments. And then I lost the income and everything just, you know, went upside down. Mm. And it woke me up to the fact that the choices I had made, the lifestyle choices I had made, it's not that I was buying things that I shouldn't buy. There were things that my family needed. Sure. Cars, home, uh, just the basics that we yeah. all enjoy every day. But it's that I didn't buy a used vehicle. I bought a brand new one. Mm -hmm. It's that I bought a little more house than I should have at the time, you know, at that income level that I had at the time. And it wasn't until I hit basically a financial wall that I was able to look and say, okay, how do I fix this? And the backside of that was that I had to look and say, what can I actually afford? Yeah. Not just what, what can I do? What will the bank lend me? But what can I, what can I actually afford? What can I actually do that would keep me safe and keep my family safe. And I don't know about you, but I'd love to hear an example of a lifestyle choice that you made. Yeah, uh, that that is is paying dividends for you and will. Yeah, well, so you know, with Ashley and I, we really began to dig into this while we were dating and got on the same page where we were in agreement. So Good that for you. By the time that we got married, we were in complete unity about what we we're going to do next. What we we're going to do next. So the first thing we did is our very first apartment. You know, out when we were first married was a small one bedroom apartment mm -hmm. and we lived there for two and a half years and we easily probably could have moved out after the first year and bought a home, yeah. but we waited another year and a half to nice. increase that down payment. And by increasing the down payment, it allowed us to have a lower monthly cost on our mortgage. So we still bought the same size of home that we would have after one year of marriage, mm -hmm. but now we had a little bit more of a down payment. So our mortgage month to month is lower. And so every month, uh, a the home that we bought was very well within our price range. And even though we did anticipate at some point that we both get raises and we both get promoted and good things would happen. And I had a track record of that at my previous job where right. I had been promoted right. and good things had happened. But I said, no, we're going to plan based on this income. Hmm. And so we bought the home based on that income. We didn't try to stretch. We didn't try to go beyond what we had. We had a strong down payment. One of the things that's helped us so much is the fact that we bought a home that was very well within our price range. Mm -hmm. And so we've always had margin. We've always had a, a good amount of margin in our monthly budget. And because of that, and, and first, you know, living in the one bedroom apartment for two and a half years, um, it, part of that was just let's save and let's make sure that we have that margin, have no debt, have a 20% down payment. We begin to knock out these things in order that you guys have seen that we talked about in earlier episodes. These are the things that allowed us to, once we had the home, continue to increase margin as we both got pay raises. Well, now we have more margin mm -hmm. and more margin. Mm -hmm. We're able to give more and then we're able to enjoy more. This is our first year to just take a really nice vacation and go overseas and spend $4,000 on a vacation. But we went to Paris for 10 days mm -hmm. and got to see the Eiffel Tower and we got to go to the Louvre and we got to go to the Musée d'Orsay and we got to go to the Arc de Triomphe, like these things that, that you see in the movies. And mm -hmm. we've watched movies recently like, hey, we've been there. Hey, we've been there. <laughs> I mean, it's just really cool lifetime experiences. But the way we got there was we've been married six years now is we created that margin very early on. Mm -hmm. We were in unity before we were even married about what our lifestyle was going to be and that it was going to be based on our income and that we we're going to use the percentages, Leo, that you and I have on that guideline inside of the budget tool. We're going to be very close to those percentages. Mm -hmm. Everybody's life is a little bit different, sure. so it would have to be the sure. exact percentages, but somewhere near there, we made those decisions early and we've driven used cars You know, the whole time that we've been married. Um, the car that I have now... Uh, is um, many years old, but but I, I've had cash in the bank. Ashley and I created and saved and 
have cash in the bank to replace it, but we're still, I'm still driving it. Yeah. And so I'm saying that it's still a good value and good, good value. Why, 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 right. why switch it out? Right. And so right now that money's earning a little bit of interest and it's not going down in value, which is you buy another vehicle, it starts going down in value. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying this, I just, I want you as a listener to, to hear, Hey, if you do these things now, or maybe it takes you three years to get your life cleaned up, but then you start doing it three years from now, you've got a lifetime, you know, you've got a lifetime of just having that margin, that comfortable place financially where you can bless other people. You can be a blessing to your family and, um, you and can it enjoy just, some things you like enjoy you guys it. going to Paris. Yeah. I mean, yeah and that's it too. You, you can give yourself, here's, here's the thing that I don't want you guys to, to take away from this is that you sacrifice, sacrifice and never enjoy. Right. No, no, no. The idea is that you save, you create margins so that you can do these things, but you do them not with interest and credit cards and debt. You do it because you've already saved up the money to do it. That's right. And that's really what we're trying to say here. So the difference between the Fishers and the Burks is that they made some small decisions that end up paying huge dividends. And 10 years later, they were miles apart. Yeah. Miles apart. Because being at $117,000 in the bank and the other ones have nothing, that's a huge difference. Yeah. That's not easy to do. But that was done over time because there was a slight difference in choices that eventually became a pretty significant margin. Yeah. And really, that's the takeaway uh, for this show is if you want to have a good lifestyle, you have to learn how to create margin. Because having margin is what's going to give you the ability to enjoy your lifestyle. If you live beyond your means, if you spend more money than you have, sooner or later that will come to an end. Believe me, I'm talking from experience. This is not theory. You can live beyond your means for a while. Mm -hmm. For a while. You can do it and you can enjoy it. The problem is eventually that that bill comes due. And when it does come (laughs) due, it can be very painful. And, And I hate to see people in that position. I've been in that position and the stress and the family uh, difficulty and the relational uh, issue that you have with your spouse. When you as a man or a woman, you're standing there saying, you know, these are these are our choices that brought us to this place. And I just, I wanna spare as many people as I can that pain. Yeah. So if you are there, we're not speaking down to you. We're saying there's a way out, we've done it, uh, it's possible. You just have to look at uh, your income, look at these spending guidelines. It's such a wonderful, useful tool that you can use to see how am I doing versus a family that is succeeding in managing their money well. What are they spending? What That's what that guideline is all about. Yeah. It's taking families that actually spend according to those guideline percentages uh, and doing so successfully. And what we're trying to do is to help you to benchmark your income versus your budget and create some margin and really uh, change the way you think about uh, your lifestyle and your values there. You yeah. still you're still going to get to enjoy the same things. The difference is the cost. Yep, yep. And then let me just finish with this. Uh, you know the importance of spending a little bit of time to learn about investing mm-hmm. now will pay off dividends long term. Literally dividends, financial terminology. <laughs> yes, so, in more ways than one. Yes. So so here we have the Burks who did a phenomenal job living. Uh, within their income, and they invested at 4% a year, and they had over $400,000 in a paid off home, and they were comfortable. They're going to be okay. Like things are great. 4% is very conservative, very safe. But if you learn how to invest well, and let's just say that they had gotten 7%, that would have taken them from 400,000 to almost a million dollars. Let's say they get 10%. If they gotten 10%, it would have been a a 1.8 
million dollars. Yeah. So, so the only reason I'm saying that is like, well, what does it matter if I get a four percent rate of return or if my fees are if my fees are one percent? Right. One percent can change several hundred thousand dollars over thirty yes. years. Yes. So four percent versus seven percent versus ten percent is four hundred thousand versus a million versus almost 2 million. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that, get educated, go back and listen to episode 11, 12, and 13. And maybe Leo and I will create a video resource at some point that you can dig into as well to gain more knowledge on investing. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can do it on iTunes or on Android. If you will, rate it. That is the most important thing. It lets us know that you enjoyed it or the areas that we can improve and it helps others to find us. You can also share this on your favorite social media platform. Please take a link and put it on uh, Twitter, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram and just say, I've been listening to Getting Money Right and it's helped impact my life. It's helped me learn and understand more. We would love that. Feel Mm -hmm. free to tag us on those posts and let us know what's happening. You can ask us questions. You can also go to leosabo.com, check out the show notes for more content and resources. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. What's really important here is to understand that you're not giving up anything that's of value. You're only choosing something that's within your ability to manage. And you're looking at the future, not sacrificing your future.